0: On September 3rd, 1933, three Boy Scouts embarked on a trip to Wallface in the Adirondack Mountains of New York, reaching the base of the cliffs at Indian Pass early in the morning. The trio, Tyler Gray, age 19, Robert Glenn, 17, and William Ledoux, 16, were all Boy Scouts, so they were better prepared than the average teenagers taking to the wild. Accompanying them was William's younger brother, 14-year-old Robert Ledoux. At about 7.30 a.m., the older boys decided to scale the steep cliffs while Robert remained at the bottom. Initially, they made good progress, using trees and brush to pull themselves upward. The climb quickly became difficult with potential footholds sliding from beneath their shoes at one point a supporting rock broke free and fell 400 feet to the cliff bottom they soon realized that the loss of so many footholds during the ascent meant there was no going back they must reach the top all three were still confident they could do so by working together however As Robert Glenn later explained, that proved to be a miscalculation, stating, We came to a ledge and were stuck there a while, but by pushing Bill up, he was able to find a place to brace himself and help us up. They continued climbing, but at the next ledge, said Robert, We couldn't go farther, because the cliff above us stuck out farther than the ledge, nor could we go back. Their only hope was William's younger brother, watching their progress from far below. Tyler said, We semaphored to Robert, telling him our predicament, and he immediately went for help. Semaphore was something they had learned in scouting, a signaling system used by the Navy for ship-to-ship communications. Young Ledoux understood the problem and rushed off towards Adirondack Loge, a popular mountain resort some six miles distant. After a difficult and worrisome trek, he notified Loge manager Henry Hicks, who went to work on coordinating a rescue plan. In short order, three parties of potential rescuers were assembled, one from the Loge, one from Lake Placid Club, and a third consisting of six New York State troopers. Other aid, including from the Coast Guard with unique rescue equipment, was eventually put into motion. Hicks asked local pilot Fred McLean to pinpoint the boy's location, which he did with an added flare, as described by Robert Glenn. This is what Robert said. About two hours later, a plane appeared. The pilot shut off his motor, glided down, and yelled that aid was on the way. That first pilot was a great guy. We felt better after he had cheered us up. We passed the time by talking and singing. At around 4.30 p.m., one of the rescue parties arrived at Indian Pass and attempted to climb towards the ledge. That effort was abandoned after ascending only about 75 feet up the incline. The men yelled encouragement for the trapped youths to hang tough, but said there was no avoiding it the boys would have to spend the night on the narrow ledge. The team, while staying in contact, would camp in the pass. William Ledoux estimated the ledge at, quote, about two feet wide and sloping at about a 45-degree angle. We had a hard time staying on it, he concluded. Robert characterized it as about four feet wide in most places and sloping downward, which made it harder to stay on it. Tyler assessed it at 13 feet long and slanted at about 30 degrees. Suffice it to say that precarious was an appropriate assessment. All three agreed it wasn't easy to remain safely in place. Robert Glenn noted the safety measures they took to avoid falling from their lofty perch, saying, Ty had on high boots with long laces, so I took one tied one end to my wrist and the other to a bush. Ty took the other and tied himself to my belt. Bill hung on to Ty. It was freezing and we were cold. But by pounding on each other to try and keep warm, we managed to pass the night. Tyler and Robert slept for about an hour. William didn't sleep at all. They later reported concerns over a mouse repeatedly nosing at the straps, fearing it would sever their only safeguard against disaster. The period following sunrise brought much needed warmth. About two hours later, they heard voices from the mountaintop. Another McLean flyby confirmed that the boys had survived the night intact. A light line was used by rescuers to lower a knapsack, providing the boys with sandwiches, their first food in about 30 hours. A heavier rope was also lowered for the task of lifting the trio to safety. Then, setting the rescue attempt in motion, William Ledoux tied himself securely and was hoisted upward. But trouble developed, as described by Robert Glenn. They started pulling, bill was a couple of feet off the ledge when they stopped we learned later that the sash cord had parted and that bill was dangling 500 feet from the bottom by one small rope after five minutes he was lowered slowly back to the ledge we were then told we would have to wait for a heavier rope to be dropped from a plane at four o'clock we still saw no signs of the plane in the valley they said they were sending food and blankets because we might have to spend another night on the ledge. He concluded, this left us rather discouraged. In the Wild is sponsored by AG1. I gave AG1 a try because I know it's important to get your greens and vitamins throughout the day. I drink AG1 in the morning and it makes me feel very energetic. It has 75 high quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients. So if you're looking for a simpler, effective investment in your health, try AG1 and you'll get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com in the wild. That's drinkag1.com in the wild. Drinkag1.com in the wild. Check it out. And now for the conclusion of this episode of In the Wild. During the boys' long wait, an urgent plan was in motion. Corporal Harold Muller, one of six state troopers at the summit, hiked back to Adirondack Loge in 75 minutes. At 4.30 that afternoon, from a plane piloted by Lyle Churchill of Plattsburgh, New York, Muller dropped a few coils of larger rope along with more food. Before anything else was done, more nourishment was lowered to the hungry lads. Robert Glenn was quoted as saying, We ate for a few minutes, then hauled down the heavy rope. We flipped coins to see who would go first. Bill was first, Tyler was second, and myself third. Bill tied himself to the rope securely and then yelled in the valley, telling them to signal by three shots he was ready. They did this and they began hauling him up. After about three minutes, the cheer from the valley told us he had reached the top. We then hauled down the rope again, and Ty went up. They hauled me to the top, and what a sensation going up. I skinned my hands and arms where I rubbed against the cliff, but otherwise arrived okay. The five state troopers who worked the rope greeted them with hugs of joyous relief. Dozens of others were involved giving their all to save the three boys. In the aftermath, there was exhaustion all around for the immediate participants, many of whom had hiked 15 to 20 miles under very stressful conditions. And there was praise, of course, for young Robert Ledoux, the 14-year-old who had initially gone for help. He ended up hiking 18 miles that first day. The boys were thankful to everyone, and not at all put off from mountain climbing. Although there was mention of sticking to trails in the future, Ledoux was already scheduled to climb Whiteface the following Thursday, but first came the Sunday hike to recover the coils of rope tossed from Churchill's plane. Newspapers reported that despite the ordeal, the boys had jumped right back on the horse. All three scouts went on to varying degrees of success in life. Robert Glenn served in World War II as an instructor pilot and was manager of Pal Blade Company and Aranac, both in Plattsburgh, New York, where he ran for mayor, unsuccessfully in the 1960s. Tyler Gray was one of Clinton County, New York's first ever two Eagle Scouts. An employee of Clinton Prison for a decade, he then spent 30 years on Long Island as an engineer for the New York State Office of General Services. William Ledoux, son of Dr. William and Alice Ledoux, became a physician, serving as a captain in the medical corps in World War II. He then operated a family medical practice in Plattsburgh, New York, for about 50 years. For more than half of that time, Ledoux was medical director of the Clinton County Nursing Home in Plattsburgh. Thank you for tuning in to another exciting installment of In the Wild, To hear more captivating stories of real-life survival, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Stay prepared, because you never know when you may find yourself in the In the wild.